we're getting into a new series um, this week. Um, it's a topical on things that are going on in our culture right now. It's a, it's a topic that I wasn't very versed in going into. I don't know if I'm very versed in it now, but it's at least this is going to make us aware of what's happening in our, in our culture, what's happening in our, um, in our government, in our school systems, and in our universities, and it's leading into our, our uh, legal systems. Everything is being touched by critical theory. Most of you guys are probably more familiar with the phrase critical race theory. Now, critical race theory, that's just another rung on the ladder of this ideology of critical theory. Critical theory, like you, you might be thinking critical race theory, that's a new thing, a new concept that they just came up with. No, it's, it's something, it, it's, it's, they're taking that critical theory and focusing it on race now. But critical theory is something that's been ongoing from the early 60s. And uh, so we're going to be looking at this. We're going to look at this as, as how the church should view this, how, 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 what are we to do, what is the standard against it, and uh, how we can be aware when we're talking to our neighbors, when we're talking to our coworkers, when we're talking to our family members, when we're talking to our kids that we're sending away to school and they're learning the, this, this um, basically this doctrine of demons. Um, in this ideology and worldview. So we're going to get into this, and uh, I believe in God it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God that does not return void. We thank you through your kingdom. Your kingdom is everlasting. It has no end. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. We thank you that the devil is defeated. And you are exalted. We thank you that there is no scheme that he can do that will corrupt your kingdom. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're secure in you and that, that he, we cannot be plucked out of your hand. We thank you that you've given us wisdom above our teachers. You, we have the mind of Christ. We have understanding. You're going to give us insight into what is happening in this world. You're going to show us things that are to come so we can be prepared. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for the word. And we receive this all in the, in the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, But the Spirit explicitly, explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. This is talking about in the world. It's talking about that they're in the world, there's going to be deceitful spirits and teaching of demons in our societies. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared their own conscience as with a branding iron. So these, this teaching of demons this, and, the, and this, these deceitful spirits will actually cause those, even those that are in faith, to have their conscience seared with a hot iron. So they, they cannot discern the things of God. A critical race theory, a critical theory, critical theory is just... So you understand the basic definition of it. In secular terms, it's a Marxist philosophy. It's an approach to culture that seeks to confront the social, historical, and ideological forces and structures that produce and constrain it. So what it, what it does, it takes a look at a culture. It takes a look at the ideology. It looks at, it looks at the structures. It looks at its history, and it's critical towards it. It finds everything that it can be critical against for the goal of tearing it down. The term is applied particularly to the work of Frankfurt School in Germany. That's, this is where this idea of how to deconstruct culture, deconstruct nations, deconstruct ideologies comes from. 
But in spiritual terms, it's nothing more than a doctrine of demons. And it's an advancement of a satanic agenda. Critical theory is nothing new. It's nothing new. Critical theory started in the 60s in the universities. So what we are seeing today, what we are seeing today in politics, in media, in culture, and even in the church right now is the fruit that was planted in the young people that were indoctrinated with this ideology in your universities. You, if you pay attention at all in Christianity, there. There are people that even use the phrase deconstructing Christianity. This is where we get this idea of there is no hell. This is, I just, I just seen yesterday a poll that said that 70%, 70% of Christians agree that Many religions can lead to heaven. So this has infiltrated, this has come into the church. See, religion <clears throat> likes to separate the word from Jesus. What do I mean by that? Religious people like to separate the word from Jesus. In other words, they do not filter the word through Jesus. Jesus is part of the word, but he's not the word. Right? That's why they can they can say you need to do this this and this to 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 be righteous. Give you a list. Why? Because they separated from the work of Jesus. We are righteous and righteous only through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. He who knew no sin was made sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Religion likes to separate the word from Jesus and then gives, gives you the burden of your holiness, your righteousness, your having your own faith. You understand that? But there's another side of this, and left-leaning progressive churches they separate Jesus from the Word. Religion separates the Word from Jesus. They separate the Word or Jesus from the Word. And what do I mean by that? They'll tell you stuff like, "Well, I don't follow. I don't follow words on black and white paper. I I follow the Living Word. I just follow Jesus, right? And Jesus is love, and we need to love everyone." See, so they separate, they separate the word from Jesus. And what you've got to understand is Jesus is the word. Right? We filter the word through Jesus, and then Jesus filters our life through the word. Do you understand that? So there's this philosophy. It's, it's like a Greek philosophy of, of taking Jesus, which is it's not Jesus at all, it's actually Antichrist because they're separated from the very word that he claims to be and creates this false religion. And it's happening through mainstream denominations all over. In Titus 1, 1, Paul, it says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge, listen to this, the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness. How do you know if you're hearing truth? How do you know if you're hearing truth? We're living in a day and age where everybody seems to have their own truth. Right? He says, according to godliness. If someone says something is a truth, if someone says this, this is something a truth that you should live by, it should produce godliness. If it does not produce godliness, it's not God's truth. That's so simple, isn't it? So there's a lot of things that they're saying that is moral, that is immoral, because it does not lead to godliness. There are lots of things that they say that you should be embracing that you shouldn't be embracing because it does not lead to godliness. 
God's truth always leads to godliness. In Psalms chapter 2, verse 1, verse 3, this is just showing you that this, this idea, this system, this worldview, this doctrine of demons is nothing new. In Psalms chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Why are the nations restless and the peoples plotting in vain? See, there's a, there's a plot. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, Let's tear their shackles apart and throw their ropes away from us. So this is the rulers of this world. And we know that there's, there's, there are satanic forces, there are spiritual forces at work in the world manipulating, controlling, and guiding rulers of the world. And they're, and they're saying they want to tear off their sh shackles. What shackles? The shackles of what God says is right and what God says is wrong. They want to tear off the ropes that, that restrain them. They see it as a restraint from just going after all the pleasures of life, what they deem pleasurable, what they want to do. They want to throw off, they want to throw off all the restraint that God has put on humanity through his word and through the knowledge that we have through Christ Jesus. And spirit, you know, verse 4, it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. God laughs. See, the problem with people is they do not see God's, they see God's standards and guidelines for humanity as a restraint, as a shackle, as something that God has them bound. So they have to be critical to it and tear it down because they feel that it's oppressive. But if you understand that God is a father, and you see him through the eyes of a child, and he is a loving father, we understand that these, these are not shackles, these are not ropes, these are safety lines, these are guardrails that are trying to protect humanity from going off a cliff. It's amazing how humanity blames God for all the ills in the world when we're the ones that created it. We're the ones that throw off the shackles. We're the ones that want to cut the ropes. We're the ones that want to do it our way. We're the ones that want to be our own gods, create our own gods, create our own truth. And God laughs at this. God laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. You know, as a father, there's times raising four kids, that I laugh because they think they're they think they're getting away with something. They think they're gonna they're, they're this isn't this is gonna go right. So I, and I laugh because I know. And God laughs at us. Then He will speak to them in His anger and and terrify them with His fury, saying, "But as for me, I have installed my King upon Zion, my holy mountain." Who is the king that has been installed upon Zion and upon his holy mountain? It's Jesus. We're going to see this type of phrasing over and over again in Scripture. In verse 7 it says, I will announce the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son today. I have fathered you. Ask it of me and I will certainly give the nations as your inheritances and the ends of the earth as your possession." You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now then, you kings, use insight. Let yourselves be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son that he might not be angry with you and, perish, and, and you perish on the way. For his wrath may be kindled quickly. How blessed are they that take refuge in him. Aren't you glad that we take refuge in Jesus today? That Jesus is our king. That we have nothing to fear. All this stuff that people say, well, that sounds scary. That's not for you. That's not for you. We take refuge in Jesus. You know, it, it, Peter actually talks about in baptism, 
It's kind of like it says that during the times of Noah, they were saved through baptism. How were they saved through baptism in the times of Noah? In the ark. They were baptized. They were smerged into the ark, and they were protected from the calamity that came upon the earth. In the same way, we are baptized. We've been submerged, and we take refuge in Jesus. Amen? Church, it is spiritual war time. It is time to fight spiritually for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is time to start praying. It is time to start interceding. It's time to start speaking boldly against this ideology that's coming against this nation and in the world. See, critical theory is the greatest threat to the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's a false gospel. It's a false ideology. It's an it's a anti-Christ. Anti, an, anti-Christ ideology. Anti-Christ means another Christ. It, mean, it means against and another. It gives, it gives humanity another Savior. And in Marxist ideology, what is the, the other Savior? Government. Government. And history shows over and over and over and over again that it fails drastically. It brings people into bondage and oppression like never seen. And millions and millions and millions of people die, no exaggeration, every time it's implemented. But it's, this isn't the first time. And, it's in, and actually, communism isn't its original name. And we're going to see that here as we go through this. Critical theory is the greatest threat to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has already infected our universities and many that are in our government today. It has taken over social media platforms and is in the process of silencing all dissent. There is no freedom of speech with this ideology. If you do not line up with what they believe, even though they say we all have our own truth, when you speak your truth that's contrary to their ideology, you get silenced. And whoever says, you know, people say there is no absolute truth. That's a, that's a, when someone says that, you need to say, well, is that true? Is it, is it true that there's no absolute truth? Is that absolutely true that there's no absolute truth? It, it's ignorance. There is truth. And truth leads to godliness. Understand, we have had political series that were, that were towards the political and governmental ideas of our nation here before. But this is not, this is not a political agenda. This is a spiritual agenda. This is not political. It's not a political issue. It's so much bigger than that. This is a spiritual and theological issue. It is a war for the soul of our nation. It has taken deep root in liberal apostate mainline denominations. See, many Christian leaders and mainstream, mainstream denominations have veered hard left and become fully apostate. What does apostate mean? Apostate means unbelieving. They're, they're, they're starting to deny the essentials of Christian beliefs while still claiming a twisted version of Christ. You know what that's called? That's called a cult. Some of the foundational truths being abandoned include the denial of personal human sinfulness. See, it's no, it's, and we're going to get into this, it's no longer about your sinfulness and asking for repentance from God. It's about finding everybody else's sinfulness and telling them they need to repent culture. Binary sex and gender categories of male and female are being erased. Marriage for one man and one woman only 
are being denied by these apostate churches. Penal substitution, atonement, that Jesus Christ was in our place for our sins. Tolerance of sin instead of repentance of sin. Denial of the reality of heaven and hell. <laughs> One of which everyone's eternal destination will be whether they believe it or not. When many churches submitted to the government to close as non-essential parts of society during COVID, we've seen a tsunami of this demonic philosophy taking the opportunity to accelerate and inject our culture with a lethal dose of this critical theory, which is a demonic counterfeit to Christian theology. And to make matters worse, instead of the church quickly responding to this false teaching that was flooding social media and mainstream news, most churches were arguing over whether we're going to wear masks or not, how much hand sanitizer do we have, and making sure everybody is six feet apart. Well, th those that preached critical theory marched in the streets in thousands. See, everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. The counterfeit of Christian theology is critical theory. As a spiritual virus that spreads more quickly than a physical virus, it has already infected academia, government, social media platforms, as well as many pul pulpits and pastors. It is a rise of a new cult much like Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses, where they take aspects of Christianity, they take little parts of Christianity, they twist it and use it to their own benefit, and this is going to arise in apostate critical theory church to mimic Christianity, but deny the power thereof. See, they don't understand. They deny the power to, of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform an individual. They leave you in your sin. They leave you hopeless, but with just a stamp that that's okay. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the proclamation that you can become a new creation in Him. You do not have to be held captive to what this world has done to you or the processes and the thoughts and the sin and the brokenness that you have experienced. But you have been accepted by God. You are beloved. He loves you. And he wants to set you free from what sin has kept, held you captive to. The opposite of critical theory is traditional theory. See, this is by a word that you have not heard before. Traditional theory. Traditional theory is basically how things are built, how we build things. It's it's a theory of building society rather than being critical against society and tearing it down. Christianity fits into traditional theory. Scripture shows us how to build. It shows us how to build law and order. God is a God of law and order. How do you architect a family? The Bible talks about husbands and wives and says specific things to both of us. Right? What's the best environment for a child to grow up in? The Bible tells us that God made marriage and he made us male and female and he made us to increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. To raise our children in the admiration and instruction of the Lord. The Bible tells us the basic principles of economics, private property, and the government should not own everything. How to build a family and how to how to build gender, sexuality, and marriage in our culture. Critical theory is just that. It critiques, it deconstructs everything that has been built. Traditional theory is a, construct, is a construction crew. Critical theory is a demolition crew. Here's how critical theory takes advantage of our culture. Here's the issue. This is how critical theory is able to work. It's able to work because we are fallen individuals. We are not perfect, right? We live in a fallen world, 
and we are not, and this world is not perfect. So you're always going to find things that we can improve on and do better. But instead of coming in and saying, how can we improve? How can we build on this? We got it wrong here. This is, this is a higher truth that we can apply to this and continue to build society. Critical theory comes in and takes those places that, that aren't perfect, but they're better than they used to be, and they critique it and say that the whole system needs to come down. And you see this. You see this in defund the police. Tear the system down. Well, what's your, what's your, what's your idea for replacing it? We don't know. And that's, that's when tyrannical leaders and politicians come in and they build a system much more oppressive than the one that they ever experienced before. See, there, there are things in our system, in our culture, in our, even in your own family that you need to tweak, you need to build, you need to strengthen. There's some things you need to cut out. But you don't tear the whole system down. But that is the satanic, demonic doctrine. is to tear the system down. Let it burn. And then bring in government as the, the savior of it all. Every institution, organization, family, government laws have imperfection because its architects are imperfect people. And even if it was perfect, it would become imperfect because of our imperfections. You understand that? Adam and Eve were given a perfect environment, and they made it imperfect through their decision-making, rebellion, and sin. Now understand this, it is much easier to criticize someone that is building something to, than to actually build something. It is so much easier to criticize a leader than to actually lead people yourself. It's easier to criticize parents than to raise kids yourself. It's easier to criticize an economy than find new ways and inventive ways of generating Revenue for the masses. God works through traditional theory. Satan works through critical theory. Why? In Revelations chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and authority of his Christ have come. Hallelujah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters have been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Where does critical theory come from? See, the opposite of critical theory is traditional theory, and traditional theory is basically how we build things. Where, where, does, this, where, does, this, where does critical theory come from? It comes from the accuser, the devil. Critical theory is just that. It's the spirit of the accuser. Someone get that young girl right there. Okay. I thought someone was leaving that shouldn't have been leaving. Well, anyways. That's what critical theory is. It's the spirit of the accuser. It's, it's, it's Satan in a demonic realm they are, and, 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 and they, they are critics, and that's all they do. They criticize God. They criticize you to God. But not any longer. They've been cast down. So now all they do is, is come to you and accuse you and accuse God. It all started with Satan and his, his demons criticizing God. They didn't like how he was doing things. They didn't like his kingdom. They, didn't, they felt it was unjust. The first rebellion and attempt to overflow, overthrow happened in the unseen realm, and it happened with demons trying to take God's kingdom and God's authority. But Satan lost that battle, and it was the first battle of many battles of critical theory failing. 
the spirit of the accuser has been cast down and is now at work in this world. And he has taken many forms throughout world history. And today his de demonic doctrine is labeled as critical theory with its ultimate end of complete control over humanity, which in today's language is called Marxism. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those that are, who are in Christ Jesus. There are now no condemnation at all for those that are in Christ, Christ Jesus. The spirit of the accuser is the spirit of the critic and the condemner. This is demonic. It brings condemnation and, critical, and, and, and criticizes. See, God is a creator. Satan is a counterfeiter. Satan is not a creator. He's not creative. He's never created anything in his entire existence. He's a counterfeiter. He is 100% deception. See, God is truth. Satan is the father of lies. God created creation. Satan says creation made itself. You have true prophets and false prophets. You have true teachers and false teachers. There is a true gospel and there's false gospels. There are holy angels and there are unholy angels. You are filled with the Spirit or you're demon-possessed. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Babylon, the word Babylon is used close to 227 times in the Bible. And sometimes it refers to an ancient nation, but it even goes farther back than that. It gets its roots from the re first rebellion of critical theory at the Tower of Babel. Babylon, Babel, Babylon comes from Babel, the Tower of Babel. So it represents a counter-kingdom and culture to the kingdom that Jesus is setting up. Rome was even in ref referenced as being called Babylon. Israel, at times, the prophets called them Babylon because of their ideology and the way that they were separating themselves from what the way that God intended things to be. See, the Spirit shows up and influences and affects many nations even today. It critiques culture and creates a counterfeit culture that is a counterfeit to the kingdom of God. In Daniel, I, I, I recommend that you guys read the book of, read the book of Daniel if you want to see the pride and the arrogance of this critical theory, this Babylonian demonic system that Satan is continually, continually, continually trying to put in control over the earth. King Nebuchadnezzar and his son that, that, that follows him after, after his reign is a perfect example of the pride and arrogance of the human heart. But everybody knows Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, you have these three Hebrew men. Well, God created them to be men, but this Babylonian system castrated them and took away their manhood, their manliness. That's another thing that this system does. And they were, they were, they were wise men in the, in the kingdom of Babel. And King Nebuchadnezzar instructed an image that was almost 90 feet tall to be, in, 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 to be made. And when, all, when the worshipers worshipped and played their instruments, everyone was to bow down and worship this idol. And we know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down and worship that idol. Now what you don't understand is because a lot of times we read that all by itself, we don't know what happened leading up to that. And that takes place in Daniel chapter 2. We don't connect this together. 
And in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and it terrifies him. It terrifies him and he does not know the meaning of it. So he calls all his enchanters and wise men around and he tells them, I want you to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it for me. And, and if you do not, I'm going to rip you limb from limb. And of course, they say, O king, may you live forever. Who can do such a thing? You tell us the dream, and then we will interpret it for you. But how can we tell you the dream? And he, and he made the command again. You either tell me the dream and the interpretation, or you're going to be ripped limb from limb. And so this makes it back and they, to, to Daniel. And, and they bring Daniel before the, the king, and he serves the, the, the Most High God, they say. And he, he brings him before the king, and he says he knows, he knows all things that men do not know. And he brings him before the king and he tells Daniel the same thing. You tell me the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel tells him the dream. He says, King, you dreamed of an image of a statue. And the head was made of gold. And that is your kingdom. And after you will come another kingdom and that made of silver. And after that will come another kingdom made of bronze. And after that will come another kingdom made of iron. And then after that will be another kingdom. It will be divided and it will be made of iron and clay mixed together. And this is when it gets good. And then you see no king. A rock not cut with human hands. And that rock came and smashed that idol and, br and brought it to dust and destroyed it. And out of that dust rose up a mountain, a mountain of a new kingdom, an everlasting kingdom that will never be taken away. So what he's saying here is these are all the major kingdoms of the world, O king, and they are nothing. They're going to be brought to an end, and there will become a, king, a kingdom that will be established, that will have no end through the anointed one. And he's talking about Jesus Christ. Okay, so what does that have to do with chapter 3 in the fiery furnace and not bowing down? Because in his pride and his arrogance, he made an image like he's seen in the dream. And the image was constructed of all gold. So what's that saying? He's saying, your God will not bring an end to my kingdom. My kingdom will be everlasting. It's constructed from all gold, and everyone will bow and worship my kingdom. It will have no end. Do you know that that fiery furnace, that fiery furnace that they, they heated up, it was so hot that when they threw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in it, the men that threw them in died. Do you know that fiery furnace was used for? Melting metal. It actually created that image. And they threw them in it. And what happened? They threw them into the very thing that made that image. And they're walking around. And there's a fourth one in there that looks like the Son of God. See, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. It's a satanic ideology and philosophy. One that is trying to construct a kingdom that opposes the kingdom of God. And in this all, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because Jesus is walking around in the, in the fiery furnace with us. He's our king. We take refu refu refuge in him. Amen? See, Daniel was brought into in captivity by this demonic worldview, which meant for him and his friends castration, which is nothing more than gender reassignment surgery of today, with the end goal to cancel him and his friends. And, and do you see that? They, they took away who he was. They tried to take away his identity. They tried to, tried to they gave him a, completely new names. 
And then they try to cancel them through the, the lion's den and through, and through the fiery furnace. But God rescued them all. And Daniel actually lived through eight separate world leaders. Understand, our society is, inter, is an interlocked system. See, we like to compartmentalize things. This is my political views. This is my work life. This is my finances. This is my family. And this is my church. This is my religious time. But the truth of the matter, it's all interlocked. It's all one. There is no secular and sacred. Your life is either, you either have a philosophy of secularism, worldliness, or you have a philosophy of the kingdom of God in all areas of your life. And it's all interlocked. Our economies, religion, gender, your na national identity, and the culture are all elements that make you the person that you are, and they are interconnected to make a whole. And that is why Satan wants to deconstruct everything that godly men and women built so he can pollute the earth with his counterf the counterfeit to the kingdom of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, listen to this. These are, again, this is the New Testament talking about this ideology. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Suppressing the truth. Is that, is that happening today? Do we have a system that is suppressing the truth? We have a system that you... I can... It doesn't matter what you think about the former president of the United States. But for someone to say that he cannot have a voice on social media, how, how can we not see the oppression of that? And if they can take it away from him, who are you? Who am I? It says, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. I love this, and I, you need to understand this. That when people say, I don't believe in God, they're liars. Why are they liars? Why can I say, anyone that says, I don't believe in God, why can I call them a liar? Because God says that they do. They know. They know. God loved us enough to put the knowledge of him in us. We were created in his image. The knowledge of him is there. But they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by that which has been made, so that they are without excuse. God says that all people on the face of the planet are without excuse. When you get to heaven, you will not have an excuse. And right now, there's people probably thinking, well, I got this excuse, or what about this excuse? You don't have an excuse. God said it. You will not have an excuse. See, th see this is the problem, is we don't believe the Word of God. Verse 21 for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasoning, and their, their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Notice everything that this, this critical theory, this worldly ideology, this Babylonian system always cloaks itself in. We're intellectual. I listen to the scientists. Science has proved this. It's a fact. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. 
And now if you just use common sense against their foolish wisdom, you get hit with missing facts. Or what are the fact checkers and all that garbage. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. See, right now you're thinking, well, we don't do that. Look at our environmentalists. Therefore, God gave them up to a vile impurity in the lust of their hearts so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood. So these people are exchanging the truth of God for a falsehood. They already knew what God was like. They knew God for themselves. They did not honor God. They, they became foolish in their own hearts, and their hearts became darkened. And it says that, it says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a falsehood and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. See, we, we believe. Our culture is trying to make us believe that our creator is creation. And we need to worship creation. And creation is more important than you. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for that which is contrary to nature, and likewise the men too abandoned natural relations with women and burned in their desire toward one another, males with males committing shameful acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. The wisdom of God says there's natural and unnatural affections. There's natural and unnatural affections. And this is this demonic system that twists and perverts everything. It's critical against everything God has made. Understand, sex between a man and a woman, marriage between a man and a woman, that's oppressive. That's oppressive. When all statistics of these so-called intellectuals point to a family with a husband and a wife is the best institution for creating a healthy culture in a healthy society. There's guardrails that God puts up. There's safety lines that He constructed. And just as they <laughs> did not see fit to acknowledge God, here, here's something else. Here's something else to think of. And I'm going off the cuff on this. I, I think I've said it before. But it goes, let's go back there real quick. It says, and receiving in their, their own, own persons the due penalty of the error. You know, sexual transmitted diseases only happen when you do things contrary to the way God designed them to be. You, can, you cannot get sexual transmitted diseases if you are married to one man and one woman and are faithful to them all the days of your life. And it's interesting that animals can be very promiscuous. But I've never heard of anybody saying, yeah, I took my dog into the vet today and he's got gonorrhea. Or he's got herpes. Why don't you hear that? Why is it only humans that seems that sexual, what is it called? Sexual transmitted diseases happen. It's because of the scripture we just read. I don't know, I just, that's stuff, I just got into Chad's mind there. I'm a pretty simple guy. I just think that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe someone smarter than me can educate me on it, but like I said, I've never heard anybody say my cat, you know, has, I can't think of another one, has an STD. 
Right. Verse 30. Or verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a deprived mind to do those things which are not proper. People having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip. Are these things you've seen played out in a greater and greater way the more that we deconstruct our society? Slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of all evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unfeeling, unmerciful. And although they knew know the, the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but approve and throw a parade for those that practice them. This is where we're at. And understand this. Understand this. God did not abandon them. They abandoned God. They wanted to throw off the restraint. They wanted to throw off the shackles. They wanted to, to darken their hearts and, 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 and subdue the truth and the knowledge of God in their life. And so what does God do? God says, you can have what you want. You can have what you want, even though this is not my will for you. You know, there's sometimes, and, and unfortunately, and I feel so bad for parents that are in situations like this, but there are some times where kids are just so rebellious and, 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 and so hateful towards their parents that there comes a time when they have to say, I'm done. Go. Go. But that doesn't mean they don't stop praying for them. That doesn't mean they don't stop loving them. And that doesn't mean that when they come home, they don't embrace them and receive them. And this is the same with God. If, if you see yourself in these things, if you see certain areas of your life that you have twisted the truth of God and you've believed a lie, know that God the Father loves you, that Jesus Christ died for you, and that He can transform you. And we as a church has to be a church that can be the hands of feet that embrace those that come back. See, what we're seeing today, the Bible calls worldliness. And worldliness is where you have a spirit of the critic in you to where you become a critic of all others. You, you ever notice this? You ever notice that People will criticize God. They'll criticize the church. They'll criticize Christians. All they do is criticize, criticize, criticize. And they don't even look at themselves. They don't even look at themselves. This is how the spirit, the spirit is in the world. And it is a spirit. You have a spirit of the critic. And in, in, in you, and you become a critic of others, and, and you're trying to tear down rather than to repair and build up. See, that's the thing about God's way of doing things. When we, when we find something that's broken, when we find something that's not working, something that's, that's injured, things, we, what do we do? We repent from it. We turn from it. And then we, uh, then we seek God and how to Move forward in truth. See, they tear down instead of building up. It's also in the name of justice that, th that this spirit does unjust things to take down authorities that have been justly appointed by God. In Romans, Paul speaks of critical theory as part of the lie that is against the truth. He, sa he says that the demon powers are at work in the world to suppress the truth. The truth is God. Truth is the gospel. How do you see truth being suppressed today? Well, they silence all dissent. They in 
incorporate things like social media throttling and banning from platforms and cancel culture. Is any of this familiar? Anything that is contrary to their system of belief and tearing down. There is a counterfeit of creation. God created the heavens and the earth. Satan counterfeits and says that creation is God. This counterfeit is seen in extreme animal rights and environmental groups that look more like religious, zealous religions than anything else. Now we see it being played out even in a greater way in gender and sexuality. All of this is what we just read in Romans 1. The overall lie that the father of lies tells, which is behind all lies, is to attack the truth and the perfection of God being creator, and we are his creation. He wants humanity to replace God as creator and set ourselves up as God. God is binary. I'm almost done. God is binary. This, this word binary, have you been hearing that in, 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 in media and, and uh, social media and, and culture? See, Christians are to think in terms of black and white, and I don't mean racist. It's either black or it's white. It's binary. It's one or the other. Right? Yeah, it's one or two. It's either or. It's binary thinking. Non-Christians think in terms of shades of gray. Biblical thinking is binary thinking because God is binary. One or the other. Biblical Christians uh, requires black and white thinking because we're dualistic in our worldview. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, it's thoroughly binary. Do you understand that? Read the entire the Old Testament. It's either holy or unholy. You can eat it or you can't eat it. You can wear it or you can't wear it. It's completely binary. Why? Why? Why was it over and over and over again? One or the other, one or the other, one or the other. Because you're either in the world or you're either in Christ. That's, that's the whole story right there. It's so simple. You're either in this Babylonian system, you are either a child of the devil, or you are a son and daughter of God. That's what it's all about. But the Bible is so binary. Satan and God, demons and angels, sin and holiness, righteousness and unrighteousness, clean and unclean, lies and truth, wolves and shepherds, believers and unbelievers, damnation and salvation, heaven and hell. Mainstream culture is monistic. I think that's how you say it. It's a theory or doctrine that denies the existence of the distinctions or duality in some sphere, such as that between matter and mind, and, or God and the world. Monistic. The critical culture does not allow black and white thinking. Culture refuses to allow any categories because that would mean making a distinction, which ultimately ends in making valued judgments. So instead of Satan and God, we have higher power. Instead of demons and angels, we have spirits or ghosts. Instead of sin and holiness, we have lifestyle choices. Instead of lies and absolute truth, we have your truth and my truth. Instead of wolves and shepherds, we have spiritual guides. Instead of believers and unbelievers, we have everyone defined as God's children. Instead of damnation and salvation, we have whatever works for you. Instead of, <laughs> instead of heaven and hell, we have everyone going to a better place when they die. Understand, this is a religion. Although not always formal like Christianity, it is a religious worldview that rejects dualistic thinking. People don't have to have issues with the Bible. People don't have issues with the Bible. They don't have issues with God. They don't have issues. See, we just read this in Romans. It's not that they, the Bible is not true. It's not that God isn't true. It's not that they even 
not even that they don't really even believe in God. They don't have these. They don't have those issues. People don't have a problem with the Bible. But the Bible, they have a problem with their genitalia. That's that's the problem they have. They don't ha they don't have problem. The real problem is not God. It's their genitalia. They want to criticize and destruct the guardrails that God put in place to protect them so that they will be able to do anything they want for their sexual gratification. And then they cloak it in love. 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 If you look at the statistics, if you just look at the statistics, the homosexual lifestyle, you are better off to be a smoker You'll live longer being a smoker than you will living a homosexual lifestyle. That's facts. That's truth. So if you love someone, if you love your kids, would you let them smoke? Or would you try to persuade them? That's destructive and it will destroy them. Right? And those that have smoked, you'd agree with me. Those that are smoking, you'd agree with me. Right? It's just, just destructive. But the problem is, is, is we, we want to throw off these restraints. We want to throw off those things that God put in place to protect us. And listen, you, if, you if you're a Christian today and you're hearing this and you are struggling with what I'm saying, and tr the Word of God and you think that, no, it's going to be all right with me. It's not, it's not affecting my life. It's not, it's not doing anything in my life. The Word of God is true. And the Word of God is given for your benefit and because you are loved. And even though it might go against your emotions and your feelings and the, and the deep things, deep-rooted things that you have instilled in your imaginations and in your mind, I pray that the Holy Spirit, you hear the Holy Spirit saying, Son, daughter, there is a better way. There is a better way. Amen? Amen. See, ultimately, if we believe Scripture, this is a battle between God of the Bible, who is t intolerant. God is intolerant. Do you know that the word tolerant, we're going to get into this. The word tolerant can't be found in, in most popular translations of the Bible. The only time you can find it, you, you cannot find God ever being tolerant. But you find that Israel tolerated false gods. God is intolerant. Why? Because he's binary. It's one or the other. It's good or it's bad. So it's, it's, this, it's this war between God of the Bible who is intolerant and the gods of this world who are at war against him and tolerate anything or anyone as long as they are against him. You notice that? They don't tolerate a biblical worldview. They don't tolerate Christian worldview. They only tolerate those that are looking to deconstruct and pull down those institutions. And they will use anyone they can to do so. This is what critical theory is all about. This is what is being shoved down our children's throats in universities. This is what parents are paying thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to have their kids conform to. 70, I think it's 70% of all kids that go to university as Christians leave as atheists. And we pay for them to become atheists. There has to be something new that rises up in our culture. 
It's time for the church to awaken. We need this third great awakening to happen in our culture, to change, to change culture. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. It is love, Lord. You are love. Hallelujah. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms individuals. You can make, you make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom that is above the wisdom of this world. We thank you that we can see those things. We, we, we see that thousands of years ago you wrote of this destructive, demonic deception. And we know that we can stand against it because we are hidden. We rest. We are in Christ Jesus. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So we rest in Him. We rejoice in Him. And we walk out these doors. We walk out into life a little bit more educated, a little bit more emboldened to speak the truth to a world that is being deceived. We just love you. We praise you. And in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.